The First Gray Hair by Anna Cora Mawit Ritchie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kelly Taylor. The First Gray Hair. I feel that I am growing old for want of somebody to tell me that I am looking as young as ever. Charming falsehood! There is a vast deal of vital air in loving words. This was the passage that Millicent Beauregard read from Landor. Her eyes wandered off the volume, and a troubled look stole over their Juno-like irids. Her delicate white hand was pressed upon the open page, and the faintest contradiction, the mere sousson of a frown, shadowed her ample brow. Some chord of sympathy with the writer was touched, and its vibration started a train of unwanted reflections. Growing old! When was that sound musical to the ears of womanhood? It could not, even by a stretch of courtesy, be called young, nor in her full bloom, yet we have some scruples about proclaiming the exact date of her birthday. She had long passed the season when the transient blooms of an American woman's springtime wither, and the briefly expanded rose leaves of her summer fall. Yet Millicent possessed so large a store of internal freshness and buoyancy her mental powers invented so little decadence, time had dealt so leniently with her face and form, she was so wonderfully bien conservée that the inevitable necessity of growing old, and, far worse, of looking old, had not intruded itself upon her contemplation. Yet, even by the poet's measurement of existence, which says, We live in deeds, not years, in thoughts, not breaths, in feelings, not in figures on the dial. We should not count time by heart-throbs. He most lives who thinks most, feels the noblest, acts the best. And, counting her life by its events, emotions, actions, by what she had suffered, enjoyed, endured, achieved, it had not been short, for hers was not one of those empty, passive, purposeless lives that glide on from youth to age without leaving landmarks on the road to warn others who may pass that way. Growing old for want of somebody to tell me that I was looking as young as ever, wrote Landor. Looking as young as ever, sighed Millicent. Why, that was once a familiar greeting to my ear. And Landor is right, truly. Its flattery was rejuvenating. But, methinks, no one has told me of late that I am looking as young as ever. Was it a mere chance omission, or am I... She broke off abruptly, and stifled a half-sigh that crushed, in its turn, a rising regret. What said the reflecting truth-teller yonder? She closed the book, walked up to the large mirror that stood between the windows of her chamber, 
and scanned her own countenance with uncompromising earnestness, resolved to detect every footprint the years had left in their journey. Those cheeks, she remembered, when their dimpled fullness was suffused with a soft auroral tint. Now their hue was that of a rose pressed in a book. Their roundness was gone. Their dimples had deteriorated into something that was nearer an approach to wrinkles. The eyes had their brilliancy, had sunken strangely, and what dark rings encircled them. There were lines, light but distinct, stretching across the brow, curving softly about the mouth, and more sharply around the eyes. Suddenly, the vision of the furless countenance that the glass once mirrored rose before her, the same visage, but in its girlhood, a fair, unwritten page. It is not upon the smooth, blank scroll of storyless youth that we ever find the highest, most eloquent loveliness, as mind and heart develop and mature, feelings and thoughts chronicle their histories upon the countenance, and give new play and more varied expression to the features. Lines of beauty may be read that were not visible before. A past is traced upon the face, as well as a present. Often a poem is inscribed there. In the most touching characters with which poetry was ever recorded, but Millicent made no such reflection. She saw what luster her countenance had lost, not what charms it had gained, and though she was more free from vanity than handsome women in general, she had womanly weakness enough to be shocked at the sudden discovery. Almost involuntarily she lifted the comb that fastened her hair. It fell around her in luxuriant masses of shining darkness. It had always been one of her especial beauties, praised by lovers and sung by poets. How could she help smiling to see its length, abundance, hue unchanged? She took up the comb that was lying temptingly upon the toilette and drew it musingly through one long tress that swept over her shoulder. What glitters so brightly from out the glossy blackness? A single thread gleams whitely through the whole length of the lock. A thread of silver, yes, distinctly, unmistakably silver. A gray hair. The first gray hair. Millicent drew it out slowly, thoughtfully. Shall we dare to say, sadly, unwelcome monitor? It spoke of decay, of the wearing out and crumbling to dusk of this mortal frame. But that sorrowful voice only proceeded from the unilluminated depths of this lower sphere. A more melodious tone sounded higher up and told of the exchange of that perishable form for one befitting the changeless youth of eternity, and bade her remember that death was but a grander development of life. Millicent's existence was affluent in blessings. She was not weary of the world in which she had filled a useful, happy, and honorable place. Winding the silver thread about her finger, she sank into the chair where she had sat while reading, and was soon lost in a deep reverie. Was she indeed growing old? Yes, here was a gray hair, at last, 
Women, ten, fifteen, twenty years her junior, had sighed over their whitening locks, while upon her favorite head no winter had left its trace of snow. Here was the first faint track. She, too, was growing old, then, granted. And, after all, why should the knowledge cause her a pang? It was only the first spasmodic shock imparted by the recognition of the fact which it was hard to bear. What if age was slowly stealing upon her, had not her existence been enriched by the honor, love, obedience, troops of friends, which Shakespeare tells us should be ours when our May of life falls into the sere and yellow leaf? Was not there truth in the words of the philosopher who declared that a woman of really noble attributes resembles a veal which gains softness and mellowness of tone with years? Had not each year that stole a portion of her youth away left some more valuable gift in its place? Was there not a store of precious images garnered up in the treasury of her heart? Had she not found pleasure in pondering upon their beauty? Did she not delight in dreaming over the past, which memory always chronicled in poetry? Did she not find profit in looking back upon the steps she had taken, in noting whither each had led, and thus recounting to herself, haply now and then to others, the story of her own life? Was it not a happiness to have watched the working out of the great ends which sprung from the causes that once appeared to her so mysterious, to have seen the completed painting of pictures which she never imagined could grow out of those tints on the palettes of life, to have beheld the perfect embroidery on the tapestry of existence over which she had marveled during its incompletion, never divining the groundwork of inharmonious threads, what noble design could be wrought, and heartwarming reflection with every year had not her sphere of love grown wider had not her affections radiated further out from herself had not her interest in others become more extended and hopeful then too had she not more ties in that better land to which many of her beloved ones had led the way ties that linked her to that world as the loved ones who remained attached to her, to this, until she felt that she had a home in both, and dear ones awaited her there as here? Next, the startling query, which all shall be asked, What use hast thou made of thy time? Millicent pondered upon the work she had been made an instrument to accomplish. She was not content with the amount, though others might have deemed it large, she sighed over her own insufficiency, over the good that she might have done, which she had left undone, over precious hours wasted and golden opportunities neglected. And now she was growing old, growing old. What then? Age ought to bring wisdom, and would teach her soul larger movements and give it more glorious fruition. There was time for noble toil, ere God measured the task. That would not be until the day's out and the labor's done. If Millicent could have seen the expression on her own face, sublimed by holy aspiration, 
she would have known that there was an imperishable beauty which takes the place of soft bloom the brilliant tints the smoothness and roundness which time destroys a beauty that will clothe the spirit with eternal youth in the life to come millicent sat thoughtfully winding the long shining hair about her finger and smiling at the passing dread that had seized her at the startling discovery that she might be growing old why what an idle bugbear she exclaimed we make of the years with what silly horror we shrink from the thought of blanched locks if they were only white records of white deeds the silver crown of age should be deemed more beautiful than the golden circlet of youth true vanity cries out against the gray hair but that is simply because she is ignorant nature from whom art learnt all her beautifying secrets sent the snowy frame to soften faces which have been despoiled of their fresh colouring and to render their losses less apparent we have learned lander's groan over growing old but if i mistake not there is more conciliatory voice breathing from some healthier pages at hand she approached a small hanging library filled with choice volumes her favourite textbooks and selected hilliard's italy and after a rapid turning over of leaves redolent with the fragrant memories of that land of the sun read aloud growing old seems to depend much upon the temperament and somewhat upon the will with an active mind and warm heart all that is dark and unlovely in age may be kept off very long if not to the end to the end a to the end so shall it be responded millicent replacing the volume while an expression of serene satisfaction played over her fine features a look which strongly contrasted with the troubled shadow that had obscured their beauty when that wail of landors set her musing end of the first gray hair <laughs>